about the band City so damn great, I feel like Alexander Wear your halo like a hat, that's like the latest fashion I got angels all around me, they keep me surrounded Brittany or like having a sister um so context for Brittany but she was born with a heart condition so she had um a bunch of open heart surgeries as a young baby and I remember after her last one when she was three years old she came home from the hospital and my parents were like you know you can't be rough with her you have to be very gentle she needs to heal and I remember I just kind of like poked her shoulder that's like my first memory of her is like standing (laughs) in the foyer of our house in, in New York and being like poke because <laughs> I couldn't really like I couldn't even hug her too tightly or do anything my parents were like just don't touch her I was like three and they're like just don't or I was six she was three they're like don't touch her um so that was my first memory of of Brittany what's your first memory of me oh wow um it's not even just of you it's her it's you me and our two cousins Chanel and Selena who lived in New York near us and we would hang out and play with the Barbies and listen to Spice Girls and have sleepovers. And that's my, Martina and Talina were the oldest and me and Chanel were like the same age. And so they would always venture off and be like, oh yeah, cause we're older. And it was always like Martina was the older. Like I had always in my head that Martina and I were never like on the same because she was older, but it was very clear that she was older. So it was always like, I don't know, I couldn't. She's unattainable because she's so older, and I want to play with her. And she, from a very early age, was so done playing with me. And I was like, "Let's play Barbies," and she'd be like, "Okay." And then she'd just get them dressed, and then be like, "Okay, I'm bored." And I'm just like, "Wait, we're not done playing with Barbies." And she'd just be like, "I don't want to play." That's my earliest memories. Is Martina like, which is all so bad, but it's like, that's no, it's true. Brittany and I, me. we had a. I think our, we were always close. But there was definitely a period of time where we did not get along. Like when I was in high school and Brittany was in middle school, we did not like each other. Is this where you'd like to be in your life? And is this what you'd like to be doing? How'd you get here? And where do you hope to go in the future? Most importantly, how are things right now? And what have you learned along the way? This is Bill Ehrlich. Is now a good time? This week on Is Now a Good Time, we have Martina and Brittany Abrahams from the podcast, You Had Me at Black. I picked up one of their promotional postcards at Soul Space in downtown Oakland after watching a Warriors game. I think the card said, a podcast for black millennials. And it sounded like a similar concept to what we're doing on this show, talking with regular people. I reached out to them and soon after met Martina at Coffee with a Beat in Oakland to talk podcasting. She mentioned that if I wanted to interview her about the show, her sister Brittany should be involved as well. Here's our conversation about their lives and how they came to start their podcast, You Had Me at Black. I didn't like Brittany because I felt like she was always trying to copy me and she was just always in my space. So she would, you know, my friend would come over and she'd like come in my room and like want (laughs) to hang out with us and be like, Martina, show them how you can like, because I I used to be a gymnast, like show her your like your back bend and all this stuff. And I'm like, Brittany, go away. And she would just always like show up, you know, and I and I was mean to her. Yeah, I was mean to her. I'd be like, Brittany, go. And I would just be I'd always be like nasty. I was never like I like Martina because she was mean. (laughs) <laughs> she didn't want to spend time with me, so I would spend time with our younger brother Joshua, and he was my playmate growing up. But we became close in college. Like I don't. Yeah. I think I remember my I sophomore year. Oh, so my roommate <laughs> was like, "You need to be nicer to your sister," because the way I would talk about Brittany, I'd be like, "Oh, she's so annoying," and you know, whatever. And my roommate was like, she had a younger sister too. She was like, "You need to be nicer to Brittany. Like, give her a chance. You know, like you're in college now, be nicer." And so I remember sophomore year, I would call you and we would Google Hangout Talk. and do our yeah. homework together over Google Hangout. Like I would be in my dorm room and she'd be in her room at home and we'd talk for a little bit and then we'd just be silent and both be doing our own thing. It's like, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. And we did that for like oh, wow. yeah, yeah, for a long time. And that's when we started to get close just by yeah because i remember there was like a week when i was like wow i talked to martina every day this week and martina is cool (laughs) and that's when i was like (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, my sister's not so bad. And now we're like best friends. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of the, the start of our of the third phase of our relationship, which I think is what we're in today, where we like each other. Because I think as young, young kids, we were really close because all the pictures show us like all over each other. And then preteen <laughs> years, high school years, we couldn't see each other. And now, now it's all lovey-dovey. So we grew up mm-hmm. in New Jersey, so suburban New Jersey. Um, our town was an hour between New York and Philly. And it's claim to fame. I don't know if you know this, Brittany, but it has the most deer per square foot than anywhere else in the country. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So it we would like, funny. yeah, you'd see deer everywhere, like be in your front yard. They'd be crossing the street. Um, yeah. yeah. And you're not and, allowed to hunt them. It's illegal. Yeah. So they just were not afraid of people. Um, so that's our town's claim to fame. It was a pretty big town. Um, it was... We went to a high school that had about 3,000 students. Six, um, yeah, my graduating yeah. class had 650 kids. And the school was predominantly white. If I had to, like, break it down by percentages, I'd say maybe 60 to 70% white. And then um, a decent chunk of, of Asian, Asian-American students and Indian-American students. And then a few Latino students and very, very few black students. So my graduating class, we had 10 black kids out of 650. I don't know what yours was. If you even uh, I remember my when because I didn't graduate from that class. That's another story. But um, oh, that's true. You my um, there was I. I just want to say like there was five of us. Like when, like I can constantly say there was at least five of us. Okay, not not yeah. that many. That's not a that really many. small number out of six hundred. Yeah. So for me, and I always say that Brittany and I are like grew up in the same house. Um early years like same town and we had very different experiences with our blackness and being black so I remember very vividly when I was young had to have been five six seven years old I was at a pool and a birthday party or something and I saw this group of girls and they were like putting flowers in their hair and I don't know why I went up to them to say this but I I guess that was the first time I had realized like I was black and I had talked to my mom about it. I'm like oh how come our skin is darker my mom was like oh because we're black and that girl's skin is lighter because she's white and that was the end of the conversation so I went up to these girls and I was like I'm black and you're white and I walked away and I remember I don't know what came over me why I felt the need to say that but I just remember being like okay this is what I am and so um growing up I never really for a long time race never really came up because it wasn't something that needed to because I was always the only black person but where we grew up there was never like any overt racism and in times where there may have been and I look back on different situations in school maybe things kids said to me or the way people treated me my parents never painted it as oh they said that to you because you're black or you didn't get that because you're you know your race may have played a factor my pa- it was never ever something that my parents said like that negative thing happened because of your race. Um, my parents were always like very supportive of me in when there were bullies or someone who was like being mean in class. My mom was a, that mom to like drive to the other mom and be like, do you know your daughter said this to my daughter? And then like, did we have a play date and now the kid is like, your mom is so weird. Like your mom, you're always telling you, you always tell on us. Um, but it wasn't until, but I, I, so I always knew, I, but I always like appreciated blackness and I was always drawn to it so if I had to choose out of a set of dolls I would always choose the black doll Spice Girls the biggest Spice Girls fan you will ever meet Scary Spice was my favorite and I wanted like I I was eight years old wanting a tongue ring because she had a tongue ring and like (laughs) at the time I had relaxed hair and I always like wanted a big afro because of her and um oh wow yeah and we both wore glasses and so I was like oh we're both black and we wear glasses and um, that's funny that you I never knew that's why you like Scary Spice and not the only reason why it was like branded in my head to like Scary Spice is because I was copying you and I knew you liked Scary Spice so <laughs> someone would be like what's your favorite Scary Spice girl I'd be like Scary Spice not because she's black just because Martina liked yeah, it yeah I, I mean I just I was just like okay the black one is me you know and so I was always always drawn to like if I saw another black girl in a class or if like I you know extracurricular activities or something I would always kind of just naturally you know goes on over and to become her friend and I just always assumed that okay that's like what I am and that's what I should like and I was always liked seeing that without even knowing that that's what I was doing 
But with Britney, it was the it so was different. total opposite. Yeah. Um, my, I guess I realized when I was black and that meant something was, um, I want, originally I would always say third grade, but when I like look back at my childhood, there was an instance, incident where I was like, um, is that because, um, I was in this, I was in second grade and I was in this class and this teacher was horrendous. He was always so mean. And we were learning about uh, civil rights. And, you know, she's reading about Martin Luther King. And this is something about black people. And this one kid pointed and was like, like Britney. And I was like, a whole class was like, Shh, and turned to look at me. And I was like, oh, I was the only black kid in class. And they, that's the only one that was like, and it was happened so fast that I kind of forgot about it. And then one time, so we have like reading groups and our teacher would be like, don't interrupt me if I'm in a reading group. And we were, so she was in a reading group and I was doing work by myself and I needed a eraser cap for my pencil. And she's in a reading group and I'm like, okay, not, I know not to disturb her. I won't, you know, bother her. So I know where she kept, keeps the eraser cap in her top drawer in her desk. So I thought, I'm just going to get an eraser cap. Because she said, don't bother her in a, in a group and I need an eraser. So I go to her drawer and I take the eraser and she went off on me. She was like, how dare you steal from me? You know, this like this can start at a young age and I'm telling your parents. And I was like, what? So if she calls my mom, goes off on my I parents mean, and was like. I remember this. And she was like, I want to let you know because you know, like. That looks so bad, and it's so like at a young age, and you should know it can start young, and all this mess. And I don't really fully remember it, but my remember my parents getting on me and yelling at me like, "You want people to believe you're a thief? Like you can't do this." And like no one would like listen to me when I was like, I really thought like she told me not to interrupt her. I thought I was okay, but like I just remember like it was instilled in me like you can't look like a thief, like it's and I just remember her saying like it starts young for you guys. And I was like, that's why, that was, like, looking back, I was much older, but it never clicked to me. But the first time anyone ever, like, said something to me because you're black is in third grade. I was on the playground, and I was friends with this one girl. Won't say her name, but I remember her name. And she came up to me one time and said, I don't want to play with you anymore because you're black. And I was, like, so confused. I was like, because he literally walked away, and I was less like, I'm black? What, what? And I was visibly upset, and we were walking in, and my teacher who is one of my favorite teachers today, he stopped me and was like, are you okay? And I told him what happened and he was so upset. He made me like stand in front of the class and tell everybody what happened. She wasn't in my class. Um, made me stand in front of the class and tell what happened. And then he canceled all his rest of the plans for the day and just preached about like racism and segregation and discrimination, how wrong that was. And that was like my first taste of that. And I was just like blown away and like, so, you know, it felt so nice that he really cared enough to talk about it for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> but I never embraced my blackness. Um, I'm a theater geek. I grew up in theater. I started musical theater at a very young age, like first grade. And by fourth grade, I was, like, doing a lot of shows in school and outside of school at a theater academy in which I was the only black girl in the theater group in school and out of school, and um, we were doing Annie, and I went to my friends at school, and I was sitting down at the cafeteria table, and I told them, yeah, Annie auditions, and I'm going to try out for Annie, and they looked at me so weird, they're like, you can't be Annie, and I was like, why not, and they're like, uh, Annie's white, and I was like, so I can sing, and they just didn't, like, care, and I went to audition, um, it got down to me and this other girl. I, I didn't get Annie. And I went to the director afterwards and I was like, oh, um, why didn't I get the part? And she's like, oh, the other girl, she looks more like Annie. And I was like, she looks more like Annie. The homegirl cannot sing. Like, the whole cast was sitting here like, why is this girl Annie? She can't sing. And people would come up and be like, you should be Annie. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but like, it's obvious this girl is a white girl and she got the part. And that was my first case of like, wow, you didn't get, I don't think you got it because you're black. And that means something. Everyone deserves a night to play. She plays. Only when you tell her no.
swim good No boat, I float better than he would No light jacket, I'm not the guard in Nazareth But your flood can be misunderstood So like Britney experienced experienced issues with race because of theater at, at such a younger age than I did. So I, like in, I was in middle school, I danced and then I be- did gymnastics and became a cheerleader. And I don't think my blackness ever be- was an issue with, um, with cheerleading. I do remember though when I was in high school, it was literally like bring it on because I was again on an all white cheer team, the only black girl. And our biggest uh, opponent or competitor was our biggest rival was this all black team they had all it was all black but with one white girl from burlington <laughs> new jersey and it would always be like they they get first place we get second place and my whole team would be pissed because like oh we hate burlington but like i hated them but i loved them and there was part of me that would watch them and i was always <laughs> so proud and i was just like even in my head like oh you just beat us but i'm clapping you know and i would <laughs> and now I look back and I'm like, I wonder what they thought of me, you know, just being like this lone black girl on this white team and how if they ever talked about me or like what they thought just of, of me being in that space. But mm. that was <laughs> I was just always cheering for them. And and I remember um, when I was in seventh grade, this. We had it in gym class. There was a psych a session or like a, a, a month where you had a bunch of random activities. So like in the winter time, you would do basketball. In the springtime, you do track and field. But it was one time where they had a bunch of random activities like archery and dancing. And they played the uh, cha-cha slide. And uh, <laughs> I got into an argument with this one kid about what the reverse move, the reverse, and what we're supposed to do. I was like, are you supposed to spin around? Or whatever. So I go back into the locker room and... I was friends and would change for gym with a group of black and other girls of color. So it was mostly black and Filipino girls that were in my grade that I had started to become friends with. And I was like, guys, do we do it this way or do we do it that way? And they were like, you're an Oreo because you don't know the answer to that. And that was that like (laughs) pierced my soul so much. Like I was seventh grade, 12 years old. And I remember being like, I am black inside and out. I'm not only black on the outside. <laughs> and I remember making a definitive choice in my head that like, okay, you need to be more black. And just in my head, like whatever that means, you just need to be more black. And at the time, the only things that I could see that were defined blackness, like the only thing that maybe differentiated my black friends from my white friends were the clothes that they wore and the things that they watched on TV. So my white friend would wear Abercrombie and Fitch. My black friend would wear baby fat and Timberland. So I started dressing more like that. Um, and like for Christmas, I would ask for, you know, all the different color Tims. And then <laughs> <laughs> I remember all your color Tims. I had pink, red, blue, and tan. And, um, <laughs> and started, um, you know, watching BET and listening more to hip hop. Because before then, I would listening to pop like... Britney Spears and Sync, you know. Um, <laughs> I didn't really listen to any hip hop, so I started listening to that in high school, like m- late middle school, high school. And I just knew that, like, if I'm black, I need to be black. And I remember um, when I was like selecting colleges, for whatever reason, I was never um, hell bent on going to a historically black college. And my dad had always said that like you got you and your sister and brother are fortunate that you've grown up in um, a, like, growing up with the people of all different races and feel comfortable moving in those spaces because when he grew up he grew up in a predominantly white community I mean black community and then went to a historically black college and he said when he graduated from college and started working um, in accounting he had to adjust to like the culture. And he said it took time for him to adjust to like this new work culture and working with people who are, he's never really had to work with or socialize with before. And he's like, you guys would just always be comfortable in white spaces because that's what you've been in your whole life. So I never felt like, oh, I need to go to a black college, but I knew I wanted to go to a school that had diversity. And it was very, very important to me. So like, I crossed a bunch of schools off. I would literally, literally look at U.S. News and World Reports college list 
and then I would look at all the profiles and look at their diversity breakdown. And if it was like too small, like the black percentage was too small, I'm like, I'm not applying there. So like uh, Villanova didn't apply there because their nickname Vanilla was- Nova. Yep, Vanilla Nova. So I'm like, I can't go to Vanilla Nova. <laughs> and like UVA, I was like, UVA, you don't have enough black people. So sorry. <laughs> um, and so I ended up um, applying to a lot of schools in like the DC region. And I- remember visiting Georgetown and they were like, oh, you know, we care so much about diversity and they're a Jesuit school. So they have these Jesuit ideals of um, like men and women for others, of philanthropy and community service. Um, and those things appealed to me when I was like 17. And so I, I ended up going to Georgetown with this idea in mind that, okay, I'm going to this great college that is all about diversity and inclusion and all about how getting involved in the community and helping make the world a better place. It's going to be awesome without really understanding Georgetown's history of it was an all white male school until the seventies that it's, you know, the majority of the students who go there are like preppy Northeastern kids that come from a lot of money. Um, I didn't, those things didn't click for me. So I was really <laughs> expecting to come to this like, inclusive utopia in DC, people who are like politically minded and I'd get into po politics and it'd be really great. And I remember um, NSO is like new student, new student orientation. Oh, 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 and I made sure that I, um, I made sure that I, I knew I wanted a black roommate because I knew, because <laughs> when I was in- um, So you're so smart. <laughs> what do you say? You're so smart, I didn't think of any of <laughs> No, I knew I wanted a black roommate and let me tell you why. <laughs> Because when I was in cheer camp, something that would always come up, and the reason why I wanted to have a black roommate we literally beca was because of hair. So black hair needs a lot of moisture. And so when you wash it often, it, your hair gets dry. And so in general, black people don't wash their hair every day. They wash their hair maybe once a week, every two weeks. And that's like totally fine. It doesn't make you dirty. But my cheerleading team didn't get that. So we would go to cheer camp and that was the only time we'd ever see each other like how we like clean ourselves and stuff and hygiene. Um, but I would take showers every day and I wouldn't wash my hair every day. And so people would be like, you didn't wash your hair today? And I'm like, no, because I don't need to because I don't want my hair to fall out. <laughs> like, I, I wanted, like, my hair to be healthy and not too dry. Um, and it's like someone always brought it up every year. Four years of cheer camp, it always came up. And I would start to get a little, um, like, self-conscious about it. And I didn't want people to think that, like, I'm dirty because I took showers every day. Um, but uh, I knew, I was like, I don't ever want to deal with this again. Like, I don't ever want to have to explain how I take care of my hair and my body to ever, anyone ever again. So when I went to college, I was like, I need to have a black roommate because she will get it, you yeah. know? And like, I will, there's this one conversation <laughs> I just won't have to have. Like, I have white friends, but not a white roommate or a non-black roommate. Um, and so someone that in my year at Georgetown created this gr Facebook group, 2011, class of 2011, Black Hoyas. And all the black kids who were in my class joined it and so we kind of created our own little community and started, that was like the early days of facebook it was 2007 yeah um so it was right around the time where you still had to get an invite from somebody else to join Brittany, oh, wow. Brittany doesn't know anything about this i don't know <laughs> yeah someone had to invite you to facebook in order to That's make an so account funny. it was very like exclusive and i started chatting with people and like I felt like I had a whole bunch of friends bef at college before I even started college. And that time yeah. I met my college roommate. He's one of my best friends from till today. Um, and so I knew going into school, like, cool, I have all these black kids that are, you know, we're going to the same school. And I'm learning that, like, we all have, not all of us had similar experiences, but we all come from different backgrounds and different circumstances. Like, there were a lot of kids who they were also the only black person in their school or on their teams, and they were used to being called an Oreo, too. But there are kids that came from, um, you know, predominantly black communities and all different, like, socioeconomic classes. So I thought that was just really cool how we came together like that. And that was my experience at Georgetown. Like, I was fully involved in the black community. I was on the Black Student Alliance board. I was a part of GU Women of Color. Um, there was a minority business organization. I was on the board of that. And I just always focused on, like, communities of color. And that's who I socialized with. And then 
the few like white friends I had all came from the cheerleading team or from the football team because I had some friends who were football players. Um, but not so much from classes. And that's because when I started at school, I, again, was like, oh, I'm going to this place that cares about diversity. And I have my whole life, I've had, you know, a ton of white and Asian friends. And so I'll just have more of them in college while I have also my black friends. And I'd get to school and you'd meet people either out, you know, when they're drinking and they're totally cool with you, your best friend. And then you see them in class and they don't speak or they'll be nice to you in class. But when it comes time, I'm in the business school, so we had a lot of group projects. You need to get in a group. They don't want to be in your group. And um, that I took that really hard. Like it was because really, I was one of those kids where in high school I always had the top straight eight. A's. Yeah, top in the class. Always. Everyone wanted to be in my group. No one but had ever know, not like wanted the to be. model model student at home. Like used to get shades like Martita. So like me and Jocelyn were always like, we're gonna have to get like honor roll like status. Well, she yeah. has honor roll status. Yeah. I was a typical first <laughs> child, you know, like I'm out to please your parents. <laughs> right. Like I don't break any rules. I was a good kid. But I was so not used to people not wanting to be in my group because everyone always wanted to be in my group. And it wasn't like a selfish thing. It was just like, oh, we're all smart. Like we all got to the school. So why don't you want to work with me? And I remember um, there was one kid. I had two friends in the class, one who I'd worked with in another class. And then another kid who like we just took a class together and we became friendly, but we had never worked together. And this was senior. And this is a great example of like how the dynamics of Georgetown work. It was senior year. And we had to get into groups. They're the only two people in the class I know. I go up to them. Hey, do you want to be in a group? And the one that I had been friends with since freshman year, we had taken classes together, but we'd never worked together, was like, started to be like, ah. But the other kid who I had just worked with a semester before on a project and we got an A in the class was like, oh yeah, Martina's great. And like, we should bring her on. And it wasn't until he validated that I was a good addition to the group that the other kid who I considered a friend was like, oh, yeah, yeah, come. And like, I saw his face change from like, eh, to like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, okay, I come. And I don't know, it was just really something just like I, I hated about Georgetown. I just felt like, you know, the school preached diversity, but the students didn't actually, um, you know, they, they weren't inclusive. And it was very, the school self-segregated a ton. So that was my college experience. My entire life was theater, and I was still the only black girl. I only had two black friends, and I remember when they called me Oreo, and I was like super confused, and I was like, "Yes, I don't." Let me tell you, I didn't. I didn't care about music in terms of like knowing who artists were. My only thing was I, I listened to show tunes. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I could like. I could sing the whole soundtrack of Wicked, and I was very proud of that. <laughs> but none of my black friends would cared. They were just like, all right, Beyonce, all this stuff. And I didn't know any new songs. And I would, so my entire group of friends at Bridgewater was white kids, all white kids. There was one Asian girl, but she was half Asian and totally identified with being white. And so it was just white on white on white for me. And so I never, when Martina was embracing her blackness, I never did, and I, and then I didn't want to be white. I wanted to be lighter skinned so that I could pass as black, white, and Hispanic, because that means I can get all the roles, and no one, can, and no one could be like you. You can't get it because you're black. No, you get it because you look like this person. I remember, like, by the time I got to high school, I've been told so many times by directors, like, you didn't get this role. Because you didn't look like that, you didn't look like the actress who originated the role, who was a white girl, and so that really, really stung with me. And I remember there was one time when I just didn't get a role that I so wanted, and the director blatantly was suddenly like, basically because you're black. And I ran into the bathroom, and I was sobbing, and like I would just kind of like claw at myself, like I hated my dark skin, I hated it so much, I hated my hair that 
couldn't get wet, couldn't curl up. And I remember like, when we'd get relaxers and I loved when we forgot a fresh relaxer because then your hair was like whooping in the wind and you <laughs> thought you were so bad. <laughs> and I remember because my hair would move like my white friends and that's what I wanted. And it was just, I grew up hating myself and hating my skin. And I never, you know, I never told this to anybody, but I grew up very depressed. I didn't like myself. And when it got around, oh, so junior year, we moved from New Jersey to Georgia, to suburbs of Georgia. Um, Martina was already in school, so this really didn't affect her, but we went, I went to a private school, um, which was <laughs> ridiculous. Um, only because our high school had no dress code and we were allowed to have our phone down in between classes and then I get to this private school in Georgia with uniforms, very strict rules and you couldn't have your phone. It was just rules on top of rules and I was a pretty rebellious kid so I always got in trouble. I remember I got sent to the principal's office because my collarbone was showing and they're like, that's not allowed. And anyway, so I did theater there and my first time when I moved there they were doing auditions for The Wizard of Oz. So I auditioned and I actually got Dorothy. And I didn't know how to react. I was like sobbing. I was like, oh my God. Like I, theater wasn't cool there. <laughs> so like I was like grinning in homeroom like cause I saw the cast list of my friend. That's also the first time I had black friends because the school was more diverse and my two best friends at the school were black. And that was my first time like being really tight with black girls. And you know, they never called me Oreo. They really just, you know, they're fine. Like, Britney's a dork, and that's the end. And, um, but when I got, you know, when I got Dorothy and it kind of spread around that Dorothy was black, it was not Dorothy, it was black Dorothy. So then it was, Britney was black Dorothy. And then people come up to me and be like, are you doing The Wiz? Because you're Dorothy. And I was like, oh, no, we're doing Wizard of Oz. And yes, I'm black. And yes, I'm Dorothy. And it was a big thing. Like, I remember... So like, okay, so the theater program was very new at a school, but the school was very uh, popular because a famous Christian group went to that school. Also, the grandkids of the owners of Chick-fil-A went to that school, so they got a lot of money. And it was very popular, so the fact that they're putting on the show kind of spread around the community but also spread around that we have a Black Dorothy, and that was like promotional, like, come see Black Dorothy. And I... And I grew up singing classical music, so my voice, if there's any soul in it, it would come from church, but I grew up very, very classical. So when I came on stage, I remember this, I came on stage to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and there was an audible gasp in the audience, because I did not, I guess, because they were expecting me to run like Jennifer Hudson, and just be like, <laughs> but I did it, I was very like, Judy Garland, you know, and there was like an audible gasp. And I remember people come up to me like, oh my God, you are so good. Like, we're so, like, so, they were shocked that I could sing like that. And I remember that kind of was like, okay. So always in theater was that I had to prove myself because I was black. So that really stuck with me. Like, you have to be better. You have to prove yourself. I wanted to show that I'm not like those black kids. I'm like this black kid. And that was a big deal for me, which is very troubling to deal with um but when I got time to to apply for colleges I didn't know where the heck I was gonna go um I knew I wanted to do theater I love to write so I knew I wanted to do creative writing and I was very late in applying it was actually Martino who told me to apply for Spelman College which is the nation's number one HBCU and <laughs> oh and Martino was like yeah <laughs> 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 Martina was like, you used to do it, go to Spelman, it's an HBCU, and I was like, what is that? And she's like, no, black school, and I was like, frightened. Like, at this time, black people scared me, because with black people, I was an Oreo, and I didn't fit in. And I was like, I don't want to go to an all-black school. Martina's like, please don't go to a white school. <laughs> and the reason why I wanted her to go is because I, I saw how she thought about herself, like, I knew that she didn't love, like, I knew that she didn't love her curves because, you know, she was black. I knew she didn't appreciate her hair. And I was like, this isn't healthy. I didn't, as her big sister, I'm like, this isn't healthy. Um, and so I wanted her to go somewhere where she would learn to embrace, like, who she is and why, you know, and, and why there's I, power in who she is. 
Yeah, because I, I didn't, yeah, I, by this time there was so much self-doubt and so much self-hate, it was really, really, like, disheartening, and so I applied for Spelman, it was the only school I applied to, I applied early admissions, and I got it, and when you get into Spelman, you do, like, a weekend there, um, it's called Spellbound, so you get to spend a weekend, you're assigned with a Spelman student, and you spend a weekend with them, and you do go to their classes, and they have events and stuff. So I go, and it's like my first time seeing this many black people in one space, and I was terrified. And there's a, there's a talent show, and my whole family's like, are you going to do the talent show? And I'm like, uh, they're like, you should sing. And I'm like, okay, but if I'm doing a talent show, I don't know R&B. I'm about to go with all these black people, and the only things I know how to do is do musical theater. Like, that's, that's what's in my repertoire is show tunes. And I'm like, I can't do that in front of all of these black people. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. And my parents were like, so just do a musical theater song. And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, <laughs> I have to be black. In my head, black was R&B. Black was soulful. And I couldn't, I couldn't fathom the, not doing something that was quote-unquote black. And my parents kind of, like, pushed me into, like, just do it anyway. But when I got to Spellbound, I was like, I'm not about to do it. But I met my sis, Spellbound sister, and she was kind of like me. She was very dorky, very, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was very awkward like me. And she grew up around a lot of white people. And you could tell that she would, quote, unquote, an Oreo, but was very proud. And, like, she had a ton of friends. Everybody loved her. And I was, it was the first time I was like, oh, my, oh, She's like me, and she's doing all right. And I told them, I was like, I kind of want to do the talent show, but I'm not sure. And she was like, well, sing your song. Like, who cares? It's show tune. Just do it. And I was, it was like an affirmation. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so, like, I sung, <laughs> I sung Defying Gravity from Wicked on stage. And when I was singing, I was, like, shaking. But everybody was, like, waving their cell phones in the air and bobbing with me and I got a standing ovation it was literally I was just like I was like whoa this is crazy and I was it was like the first time that I was like wow black people like me <laughs> and so I went to Spelman and I, I guess you could say like a three a 360 my family loves to say I was a, I just did a 360 because it was the first time that I saw, I guess, true black people or was accepted by black people, but just saw how powerful it, they were. You know, Spelman is an all-girls school, um, so I was just surrounded by powerful black women, and I did theater with powerful black women. I saw black people who grew up in my circumstances, who grew up in other circumstances, and they all just accepted each other, and it was this big sisterhood of love. And I learned about history that I've never heard before, never heard, like, learned in school. And I, I finally just learned the contributions of black people, learned to just not be um, embarrassed to be black or what it meant to be black and what it meant to be a black woman and what I have to give to the world. And it literally was just like an eye opener. And I came home like, proud and black <laughs> like my parents are like what is happening with our daughter <laughs> and i'm sitting and i'm sitting like yes yes <laughs> and like you can imagine like i had and then it got to the point that i just didn't see any white people for for that's not true i did i studied abroad for theater in london for a semester and that was my first time being around white people again in three years and I was like, all right, Brittany, you're about to room with white girls. This is not going to be the same thing as before. Like, you're a whole new person. If they say something crazy, you can say, oh, that's not, that's racist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you will speak up. And, like, there were sweethearts. They were totally fine. And I remember, though, one time I said the N-word near my, my, with my talking about my white friend. Because we were talking about someone, and I was like, this, beep. And I didn't even realize I said it until, like, the sentence finished. And I froze, and I looked at her, and she was, like, frozen. And she was, like, oh. and I was, like, I'm sorry. You look really uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she was, like, no, it's fine. I mean, it's your word. It's okay. Like, I'm okay. And I was, like, sorry. Slipped. And, and then that was, like, literally, yeah, no one asked about my hair. No one said something annoying. You know what I mean? Like, it was really cool. And... Um, I had a great experience in London. I felt really included. 
Um, there was like 40 kids and there was only five black kids. So I, all the black kids, of course, were friends with each other. And we did like um, we did three different shows there. We did Romeo and Juliet, uh, some classic piece, I can't remember, and Antigone. And we did like broke it up in scenes and stuff. And I got cast as Juliet for one scene and I couldn't believe it because I would never be considered as Juliet at home. I was like the maid or the mom. And so when I got Juliet, I was like, oh my God, what great luck. And then we did Antigone and I got Antigone and I just bawled right then and there. Cause I and I that was up against a white girl and I got it and I was like this is I thought they made a mistake I started crying on the spot I had to leave the room and cause I was sobbing I I couldn't believe it I was so thankful I was literally like God Almighty thank you so much like it was ridiculous and it kind of just affirmed to me that you can do this and no matter what your skin type is there will be some people out there who won't care. There's no fight we cannot win Just knew I wanted to do something that like really uplifted the black community and I came up with the idea for you had me on black maybe three years ago and the the name came first and it came out of a conversation with a friend I was having lunch with a friend and she had started a, an app that allows you to find black owned businesses in your area and having lunch and she's like what do you want to do with your life and I'm like you know I don't know, but I just know I wanted to help black people. And I, in my head, I was like, I'm just going to build tech products that somehow fix issues or like serve the black community in ways that products that out there aren't, um, aren't like in tune to the nuances of being black or for, for whatever. But I still very open ended. And she was like, yeah, you know, you had me at black. And I was like, wait a minute that is going to be the title of something one day. Like you're going to write a book or do something with it. And so she and I kind of set out on this path to create a video project where we would interview people. Um, we aren't sure if it's going to be video or blog, but something where we would interview people doing really cool things in the black community just to like highlight them. And my goal specifically was to show the di the differences or the diversity in the black experience realizing that you know we all come from different places and when you look at tv again this is going back to like me wanting to be more black in middle school and turning on bet to see okay what does it mean to be black like the bet only feeds you one message vh1 only f feeds you one image of what blackness is and i mm -hmm. have learned that we all experience it differently and it's really cool. And I wanted the platform that I created to show that and to ask people, what does black mean to you? How has it influenced your life? Like, how do you define mm. your blackness? But it never really got off the ground. Um, my friend ended up, she was really busy and decided that she wasn't super passionate about it. Gave me, said, you know, whatever you want to do with the name, like good luck. And I just kind of let it sit. And I wasn't, I didn't want to do a blog because I don't like writing that much and I wasn't sure about the platform, but I settled on at the very least, I'll start an Instagram account and I'll just interview people and feature their stories very similar to Human of New York. And I wasn't sure of like the angle, but I knew I wanted to be centered around blackness. And um, my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I'm going to interview you first. So we were just walking and I was like, oh, let me record this on my phone. And as we started recording on the phone, I was like, holy shit, I'm making a podcast. And that was in February of this year, of 2016. <laughs> and um, I think right before I decided to make a podcast, I had told you, Brittany, because you and Eve, our cousin who's a filmmaker, started talking about like how can you bring more diversity into the media. So I told her, I was like, you could take the name. If you, you, know, if you guys want to do something, like you could take the name. I come back two weeks later, like, 
you're not taking the name. <laughs> I'm making this podcast and you're going to be on it. You're helping me with it. Like this is the project that you guys are trying to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> Martina's funny because she's like, let's do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, a black podcast. Hell yeah. And then like a week later, she's like, so I got a mic and we're going to get started. I was like, oh, we mean now. We're doing this now. <laughs> okay. Like, see, it yeah. gets done. She's very productive. <laughs> yeah. And um, somebody, I was talking to a friend that is really, she's like a growth a growth hacker, a growth marketer. And she, she's always thinking about like, how do you monetize the things that you, the content that you create? And she was like, what is your, your why? Like, what, what are you doing this for? And then I was like, I'm, I want to show the diversity of the black experience because I'm like really tired of what I see, you know, put out there in all different forms of media and starting to think about that more and more. I was like, you know what? I'm here to reclaim the black narrative, like the narrative that is out there. Whoever created it, however many years ago is old and stale (laughs) and mostly inaccurate. And I'm here to reclaim that. And so the, the format of the show is first-person narratives, first-person storytelling. So if anyone is familiar with The Moth, The Moth is a storytelling series where people um, you know, go up in front of a live audience and share a story on a range of topics. And I wanted to mimic that and feature black millennials because I, I realized if I made everything about being black, it would get old really quickly. And... Yeah, and it's like one of those things where my our dad always told us, don't be passive complainers. So if there's something that you don't like, either find a way to change it or don't complain. And so, you know, podcasting is a format where it's super low barrier to entry, something that we could work on being across country because Brittany's in New York and I'm in California. Um, and so... It, it's like become something where it's almost like for me, it's almost crucial. And this, this podcast and other projects that people are working on to just bring new light to new stories and to give black people a voice, um, to be more authentic and to really show that their experiences are valid. Yeah, it's true though. I mean, there, I guess there's so many layers. Like I feel like I'm rambling, but there are a lot of layers. Like the first there's, the diversity of the black experience and that it's not all what you see on TV. It's not all negative. It's not all bad. There's a lot of range in what black people experience in the, in the lives that they live and the things that they do. And it's really cool. And <laughs> I think, I think we should highlight that. And then the other yeah. piece of it is giving people a platform to share their own personal stories so that they can feel validated in their experiences and in those stories. I want to get, we've covered a lot of stuff. I want to get both of your advice. Now, this can just be general advice. It could be advice that you'd give like a younger version of yourself. Okay. It's pretty open-ended, but I just would like to get a piece of advice from both of you. And they might be similar, but (laughs) Brittany, you get to go first. Okay, uh, advice. Something I would tell, I guess, my younger self or a younger person is don't stifle your creativity. Growing up, um, I loved to create stories and stuff like that, but it wasn't cool to write all the time and have all these ideas and to verbally tell people, you know, just to tell people your ideas. Um, don't do that. If you have, like, let your creativity grow because you never know where it can lead you. And I think that's very important. And I think that's showing with the podcast that, like, here's this one little idea that turned into this big production. And that's pretty dope. And, yeah, don't stop at your creativity. Let it flourish. Mine is actually <laughs> very similar. Mine is, um, like, your ideas matter. Like if there's something that pops into your head and it keeps popping into your head, you have something there. And that, and if you believe in God, that's God telling you to go after it. If you don't believe in God, then it's the universe telling you to go after it. But you know, that, that noise that's like in your ear all the time or that idea that you can't kind of push out of your mind, explore that, like see what's there. And and that journey will be really fun and worth it. Well, I 
think that you guys are doing a great job Thank you. and are really Thank onto you. something. I'm going to continue listening and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank you. I believe in it. Me too. Thank and you. And part of part of the fun of this show is I feel like all the people we have on are amazing and doing exciting things and we're catching a midair before they know what it looks like or or maybe get that break that comes and, and it gets really big. So I think that hearing someone at this point is that's the interesting story because it's easy to change it in retrospect. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys so much for being on before you are famous and are on like the Today Show or any of that. I'm half joking, but half not. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. Thanks thank for reaching out for to us. us. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. You can find You Had Me at Black on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can visit www.youhadmeatblack.com slash listen. And I will have a link in the show notes to youhadmeatblack.com. Is now a good time? Is a production by Bill Ehrlich, Mike Benz, Shane Callahan, Chloe List, and Ryan Lipkin. This is Bill Ehrlich. Is now. Oh, baby, that 